everybody. Welcome to the Transportation and Logistics Podcast, powered by Atlanta Dispatch and Humblebee Enterprises. I'm excited to be here with a very special guest. We have Marcus Cooksey, who is the CEO of Duke.ai. And before we begin, I just want to say that the Dispatcher's Guide to the Galaxy is available now as an ebook and a physical book. And you can acquire your copy online from barnesandnobles.com, Amazon. And if you're into the ebook space, you can get that bad boy from Apple Books. And without further ado, my brother, Marcus, thank you again for joining me today, sir. How's everything your way? Hello, Jory. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, things are going great. Uh, you know how it is this time of year, you know, wrapping up on some initiatives as well as trying to get a little shopping in and spending some family time together. But I want to first thank you for providing mediums and channels like this uh, to allow you know various people to uh, tell their stories for us to talk about what we're doing as a company. So first off, thank you. Oh, yeah, 100%, brother, 100%. And I'm, uh, it's an honor to have you here on the stage. So thank you again for accepting that invitation. And you said, you know, end of the year initiatives. How hard is that, man, with holidays and juggling employees and everybody has their own life how is this this last push to get these initiatives completed before we roll over into 2024 yeah so we've been taking feedback from customers working with customers throughout the year and consolidating all of that feedback and rolling that into what we're saying is our 2024 rollout initiatives uh, so we have some features and we'll talk about that a little later and it's capturing that feedback and then planning that in terms of we had sprint review so early today on for every friday we have what's called sprint review and it's called sprint is because we're running from week to week completing certain tasks and so we took all of that input from customers and then things that we saw that would be great features uh, and improvements and then we put that into a sprint over the past i would say the past three months and now we're at the end of the year and we're running some of those tests with live customers getting feedback it's kind of an iterative process they tell us hey i love it but add this feature to it so that's where we are right now and that's kind of you know how the whole process works and the team is excited about what we've done and we hope that uh that we that the customers uh get the value uh that we think that uh that our early customers have uh, provided to us in terms of feedback Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I love to hear it. We always are trying to shoot for the best rendition, the best version of the products that we're able to offer. And look, before we get too far ahead, for the people who have not had the opportunity to encounter you in the past, can you please give us a brief introduction, you know, background, all that kind of good stuff? So Duke AI is a fully automated back office accounting software for tra truck, the trucking industry. Uh, so that would be anything from automated bookkeeping, accounting, and payments. So we actually have the ability now to connect with various brokers and factors, back office systems, helping people get paid easily while also automating their carriers back office for accounting, understanding their profit loss, a break-even analysis. How did I get into this? Uh, I am a computer scientist uh, by vocation. I uh, got a degree in computer science uh, years ago. Uh, worked on uh, digital signaling processing. I was actually the lead systems engineer in the Amazon Echo products some years ago, integrating uh, the chipset when I worked at uh, a semiconductor company, integrating that chipset into Amazon. Uh, that was when I was working at TI. 
Uh, so that involved what we call natural language processing. So that's the early stages of AI. I moved on from doing that uh, to working on self-driving cars. So I was over China, spent a lot of time in China and Taiwan growing our business uh, around electronics for self-driving cars. And so you're saying, well, Marcus, how did you get into the trucking industry is what most people always ask me. Uh, I'm a person that likes to diversify my portfolio. So at that time, I had a check that was coming in and I also had rental property. Uh, I had stocks. And so someone told me, Marcus, and that someone was a family member. He was, he was like, because I have truckers in my family. He was like, Marcus, you should get into trucking. I'll help you get started and we can create a trucking business together. And that's, you know, I, so I started a trucking business and that's when I discovered this problem around inefficiency, around accounting, uh, around payments. And I just saw the vast amount of paperwork. And I, I realized this wasn't just a problem I was having as an owner operator, but other op owner operators were having the same problem as well. That's a nice background. <laughs> you know, that's some really good experience. I mean, even talking about some of the household names that I can recall as a kid, you said TI, Texas Instruments. And obviously the products that we know most from high school are the the graphics calculators and all that kind of stuff. I mean, within within TI, what was that culture like? Was it a cool culture because of having such huge products that were household names at the end of the day? Well, what most people don't know about TI is that the calculator only accounts for maybe 3% of TI's profits. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm one of those people then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Duke was actually, when I started Duke, it was modeled around the culture of TI. So what to help you understand, TI makes chips. So in the case of the Amazon Echo, it, you need a micro, what they call a microprocessor. And that microprocessor is a small computer that can take in any audio, uh, it can do video, and then it does what's called digital signaling processing. And not to get too technical, but there's a lot of just heavy comp number crunching that has to be done to make the electronics that we come to love today, phones and all that works, right? It's not magic. And so these chips, whether it's power controllers to regulate the power in a, in a mobile phone, excuse me, in a smartphone to make it automatically shut down, right? And so the culture there at TI is a culture of brilliance. You know, I found myself with some of the smartest people in the world solving problems that only a few people knew how to do. Uh, one of my good mentors worked on the early uh, worked at Kodak in the early days of digital cameras, right? And so I spent my time on the tutelage of him learning about um, video processing, removing noise from video, uh, uh, bare filters, and and just a whole bunch of stuff, electronic circuitry, and 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 so the, it's a very competitive environment. And so when you look at what we built at at Duke. It's the exact same way. It's a very complex problem that we're solving, but it takes a lot of complex software to fulfill it. I mean, to make it happen. So it's running in the cloud. You know, again, I can go deep into it, but it's very complex. There's, the complexity is very, very high. But but we have some very, very smart, uh, just intelligent people uh, developing what we have here at Duke AI. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And just thinking about you and, you know, you said that it was a culture of just excellence at the end of the day. Huge exposure across the world. So many different things that you guys are providing to the industry. You know, just thinking about you as a person, what was that thought process like when you were weighing the benefits of that W-2 role? I mean, it was a W-2 role if you boil it down. 
mm-hmm. um, versus having that conversation with your family member. And you're like, okay, maybe I should add a, another way, uh, another source of income. I know that you've had the other sources, but this right here is, you know, to be an owner operator, to be someone who opens a trucking company, you quickly realize that it does require a lot. <laughs> it's not the passive income that was, you know, sold during the golden age of trucking. So what was that thought process like for you when you were considering adding that as an entrepreneurial endeavor into the mix? I was naive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I started the trucking company, see, what happens is you have some success and you think the next success is going to be the same way. So I had a rental property and it was very passive. I was investing in stock. It was very passive, you know, trade stocks. And I was like, then I had my cousin who said, hey, cuz, if you start a trucking business, I'll run it. Well, the problem is, is that my cousin He's been a driver for several years, but he's never owned a trucking business. So he didn't really have to care about equipment. Uh, he didn't care about, you know, profitability of the company, bookkeeping, records, uh, finding loads, getting contracts, right? We had to go out and get, you know, contracts with shippers, all of that stuff. And it, I quickly learned it wasn't passive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I quickly learned it wasn't passive and I wasn't going to be able to do my full-time job and run the trucking business. So it was a, it was a matter of doing the trucking business or, or, or quit my full-time job. And what ended up happening was, is that there was a part of me though, Jory, that was like, you know, there was an asterisk by my name. See, I had done all this work. I traveled the the, the world, been to China, Sweden, all these places I never imagined I'd go to, but I still felt like it was an asterisk. And it was like, are you really doing this yourself? Mm-hmm. And are you building a legacy for yourself and your community and people? And there was a part of me that says, that told me, no, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're doing good. Here's an opportunity through your trucking businesses, through your trucking business to grow. And so I, I decided to make the move to quit my full-time job, which I was making great money to, to build my trucking business and my other enterprises that I had. And so it was a, I'd say it was an easy decision. And that, that was made six years ago. And I haven't regretted it. Oh, that's awesome, brother. That is a, that's beautiful. It takes a lot of faith to actually make a decision like that, to leave the, to, to then say, you know what, let me bet on myself. How much faith was that? You know, how much faith actually, you know, how, I don't know. That's, that's just, that's the challenging situation because like, let me even, I'm asking you that question, but let me tell you this. When I learned dispatching, working for an industrial supplier, the, the money wasn't amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they had not sent me to China <laughs> nor to Sweden. And, you know, it was something that I realized that, okay, this is a skill that, you know, people need, whether it's in a corporate environment or, and now I'm seeing people are able to do it as an entrepreneur. So, you know, with me, I took, I took the leap of faith because I said, you know, I'm going to bet on myself because I'm going to be able to outpace what they're actually trying to invest in me in the first place. And that was, you know, so it was a little different, but when it comes to, you know, certain comforts and luxuries and just, you understand the way things are gonna go because you've already been experiencing it for years like the ease that comes with being able to be a high 
caliber performer in a prestigious organization. Like, how much faith was it to say, you know what, I'm going to remove myself from that so that I can pour into my future, my own, my own thing over here. How, how was that for you? Wow, that's a man. That's a good question. Is weighty. The type of faith that you have to have, it, it it doesn't start at that moment. I believe it started well in the early parts of my life. One particular action leads to another particular action. And when you're at a higher level or you have to make higher decisions or more weighty decisions, you, you pretty much leverage those previous experiences. And what do I mean by that? Well, it took me faith to major in engineering and computer science engineering coming from the environment I came from. I didn't know any engineers. My parents didn't graduate from college. I had friends telling me, what are you doing? I was working at UPS driving, you know, 60 miles a day going to school. It made no sense for me to try to major in, in computer science engineering. And everyone was right. I was behind. I had to take remedial math, remedial English, all those things. So, so, but you know what? I said, someone has to, in my family has to, to do something different. And so my faith got me through that. And that was a difficult time. Uh, another period in my life is when I was married, my, you know, uh, my son had cancer, right? I nearly died of a blood clot, uh, you know, in the emergency room. So not to make this a sad story, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that you have a series of events that makes you even more bolder, right? So there's no comfort zone. I, I read someone, I read somewhere where it says that, you know, the purpose of life is not to arrive to the grave with a perfect body, but you want to be skinned up, worn out, fully used, uh, saying, what a ride, mm -hmm. what a ride, right? And so that's how I kind of live my life. Man, that's uh, powerful right there. I mean, a lot of that, obviously, I wouldn't have known, but you know, to be on the other side of it, I'm happy to hear that those were the things that were able to fuel you through other challenging times when you got to really weigh the options and have that faith. So um, uh, again, I'm happy to talk to you on this side of things because you never know what people have gone through and just the way in which they've been stretched, the way in which God has used them and, um, you know, again, so thank you for sharing that. I had no idea that's where we were going. Um, <laughs> you know, I, that's why I said that's a weighty uh, question. Yeah. A good question. I appreciate you asking, but yeah. Yeah, no doubt, man. Like I said, uh, that's, again, I appreciate you being open and vulnerable to share that. And um, just thinking about now we're in a air quote in here, but post-COVID society and post-COVID because people just got tired of doing all the protocols to, you know, to, to keep everybody safe. And, but if we're thinking about you and your trucking experience, your trucking business, are you happy you got into the trucking business before the COVID boom? Or, you know, how do you feel about that? Yes. I would not have gotten in truck, get trucking. I hate to say that during the COVID boom, when I got in the truck, it was before the, the, the COVID boom. So things were, I would say those were the good times. This yeah. 2005, 2016. <laughs> those were the good time. I was making money and, you know, buying trucks. I think the last truck that I got, I didn't put any money down. I was getting lending and all that. Kind of, it was good. Uh, I don't know if that environment exists still today. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I doubt it does just because of the way when people flocked to it, what that did for equipment prices. And then yeah. when it came to the way that the price for fuel and all these other peripheral things, these auxiliary services that come along with trucking that are necessary, um, but where we are right now post-COVID. I mean, for me, it was really important for just because I was a business developer manager. So I had to report and understand profits at TI. So it wasn't enough for me to just say, hey, we made revenue. I actually had to show my upper management that we were going to reduce costs and that the profit margin on this chip was going to go from, let's say, 15 to 60 percent. So think about it. We were supposed to make 60 percent profit margin on a chip. And, and, and I had to show how we were going to do it. So I ran my trucking business that way. And so pre-COVID, I already had this discipline around my, my accounting. But imagine if you didn't in pre-COVID, you could get away with that because the rates were good. You didn't necessarily mm -hmm. need to kind of know what your profit margin was. Uh, rates were high. You could get you can get loans. Right. We were able to get SBA loans. Uh, you know, we actually had reports that enabled us to get those loans. Uh, because they they want to see cash flow analysis, profit and loss, all those types of things. Now you go into kind of a post-COVID world. Well, those margins are thinner now. So you can't just be a operator of a truck. Now it takes a certain amount of astuteness, um, business acumen to run a successful trucking business. Predictive analysis around you know where fuel may be, right? Fuel price that, you know, most people don't realize this, but a swing 20, 20 uh, cent, 30 cent, you know, 40 cent swing in fuel ch changes your operating costs. And so if you're looking at your P&L based on six months ago, it's no longer valid. Mm -hmm. You see uh, rates, all those things. And so that you can be successful, but now you, you just can't be going from your gut, hitting load boards and, and all that kind of stuff and figuring things out. You really now have to be a smart business person to succeed. Agreed. 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 And that permeates across all types of transportation, not just traditional trucking where we're taking goods from this warehouse to that warehouse. But that even makes me think about some of my friends that have dump truck businesses and you know, the courier businesses where they're contractors with the post office and things of that nature. Fuel swings and other expenses. You definitely got to be on top of that and having a technology, a service that can readily help you with that is at this point is necessary. The back of the envelope or maybe even leveraging Excel the way that a lot of people probably start their business. That just that's a that's time consuming at this point. So <laughs> thinking about Duke.ai, what are some of those automations that came along with this product that, you know, are out here providing efficiencies for owner operators and small fleet owners? Yeah, the first thing when the product started, it was about how do I become an accountant without hiring an accountant to a certain degree? And, and so what do I do, typically do with an accountant or bookkeeping bookkeeper? I send them my receipts and then that person organizes it and then comes back and, and then I give them my, my settlement statements and then they come back and give me a profit and loss report. Essentially, that's what we're doing with Duke. Duke is your bookkeeper. You send it receipts, uh, settlement statements, and it automatically categorizes those expenses by whether it's a business meal or if it's fuel. It's able to determine that simply by reading uh, that image. And so this is where my 
understanding around imaging, uh, around AI, what I was doing, self-driving cars came in, in effect. Uh, but we've enhanced the product even more so so that you can connect Duke to your business bank account. And now Duke will pull those transactions on a daily basis and then automatically categorize them. So that's the first feature when you think about, you know, just generating your profit and loss report based on transactions from your bank account or transactions you've uploaded to the system. And it's doing it automatically without you needing to go in and change things, categorize them. Uh, now, it's not 100 percent perfect, but it's about human per parity per uh, perfection or better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the whole entire goal of an owner operator being able to leverage that as one of those automations is to eventually get to the point where they they know their numbers and they can leverage the information that they're getting from your tool to empower them to make the best decisions moving forward. And I know that you were even just talking about being in business development with TI, you had to be able to justify how the margins of certain chips was going to hit 50, 60 percent. You had to be able to really know the numbers behind it. You know, when it comes to a small fleet owner and owner operator, you know, it makes me think of one of those critical numbers, the, the break even point for what Duke.ai is able to do. Tell us what that break even point is for an owner operator if someone has never heard that language and why that number is actually critical for an owner operator. Yeah. So your break even point basically tells you this is the based on your business's fixed and variable cost. And this is what the minimum amount of income you need to bring into that company, into your company in order to just break even, not even make any money, but that you're not operating at a loss. So the first thing we don't we want to find out is, you know, it's OK to maybe even break even. Uh, we don't want to do that for a long period of time. But the last thing you ever want to do is be operating at a loss. And so what Duke is doing is that now after you've uh, you know, connected uh, Duke to your business bank account, we're now categorizing everything by fixed costs, variable costs. We're able to take your income and now we're able to say, hey, Mr. Driver, and this takes only a few seconds. So you're not punching in any numbers and, and you can do it for a specific period, previous week, pre previous month, right, or the previous day. And, and what it does is it basically now spits out a table that says, hey, this is your break even rate per mile. If you want to make, let's say, a 25 percent mar profit margin, then this is what your uh, rate per mile should be. And we do that all the way up to 100 percent profit margin. And we, we spit that table out right there and you can access and, and play around with the numbers at any time. And to make it actionable. Even when someone is on the load board and they're considering whether or not a freight opportunity is the right fit for them and see the numbers behind it is going to allow them to say whether or not they can even take it for whatever is being offered and gives them a, a firm standing when they are negotiating a higher rate. Something like that something that gives you the tools and automates that process seems like it's a it's a win-win for everybody uh, the, for the, the driver for the dispatcher for the owner of the company uh, when you were building Duke, did you have a price point in mind 
And like, did you go with your initial price point or has things changed, you know, as you guys have evolved and added more services? We've we've always wanted to be low cost. So we never had one hundred dollars. Uh, we 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 used to believe that thirty dollars was the the right price point, and that was because of where we were at the time as a company. So we were spending a lot of money building the the product, and and that's that's very costly. And so we needed a price point that could justify what we were spending on engineering costs. What's happened over the past three years, if you know anything about AI, is that as you get more data, the more intelligent the system becomes. And the less computing and human effort is required to do the training and so forth. And so what has happened now is that we're now able to offer it at a low cost at $10 a month. And that came from the desire not to put a burden on the trucking companies who are already being pulled and pinched from ELDs and brokers and all these people taking a percentage. Again, we're talking about that profit margin, right? And so all of those things add up. And so we didn't want our accounting software to be one more expense that's uh, deducting from the overall uh, profitability of, of, of an owner operator or dispatcher. Yes, sir. And when you say $10 per month, are we talking about per unit? Uh, per unit. Yeah. Per, per unit. Per Well, so. It depends on how, you know, your structure. So we have dispatchers that are on our platform. And so I'll explain how that works. So they're a dispatcher and and then they have a, a owner and they have, you know, several units underneath them. So in that case, yes, it will be $10 per unit because what they're doing is, is that each unit is taking a picture of their receipts and that propagates up to the main, you know, owner's account. And so these people can be on the road doing all of their work and it, it all synchronizes into one account. And it's kind of every unit's expenses is hidden from the other unit. Uh, so that's one use case of it. Uh, another one is, is, hey, I am a owner and, you know, I am an owner operator. I may have one truck. Right. But I am actually using this to help me understand, like, my individual expenses as a as an owner operator. So there's there's kind of different different uses usages of it, but yes, it's ten dollars you know per unit. Okay, got you, got you, got you. And you mentioned you mentioned that AI for quite some time, and I know that most people were not aware of the capabilities of AI, especially when it comes to generative AI and even automating tasks. However, like I said, some might even call you the Michael Jordan of AI. <laughs> you know, how long have you been? I told somebody that one time he laughed, but and it's to hear you say that, that's funny. But no, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not I won't I won't claim that. I was just joking. I won't claim that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, man. Especially where we are right now, you know, with AI and just what it's doing in our society. That's a powerful position uh, to be able to maneuver like that. You basically Neo from the Matrix, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, just in your regular life prior to the uh, November 2022 splash of Chat GPT, had you already started putting AI into your regular life? You know, like I said, we've been doing AI before AI was cool, you know, way back in 2018. And, and I'm, let me say this because I want to be careful. I actually have a co-founder. And so let me give out his shout out because he's my brother uh, from another mother. We work together at TI. His name is Vishwana Kunta Gunta. So shout out to Vish. I couldn't be here without Vish. And um, 
And so we, we, we took what we were doing at TI and built the culture here at Duke. But to go back and answer your question, uh, you say, what, what was I doing, you know, uh, around AI? Here, here's what I was doing because I was all consumed with Duke. So I wasn't using AI, but here's what we were doing, Jory. We understood that was a radical shift happening in the American workforce. And we understood also that there were going to be some displacements of jobs, even way back in 2019. And so we partnered with boot camps. We partnered with community colleges and non-traditional uh, learner or institutions that train on uh, non-traditional learners. And instead of training, focusing just on training AI, you know what we did? We, we trained other people to be data scientists and build applications of AI and data science in the cloud. And so at one point we hired over 50 people from these different uh, from these different institutions and and courses and uh, and schools. And many of them have gone on to get jobs at AWS and other large firms, KPMG. Some of them have landed at jobs here at Duke. Uh, and so that was another purposeful uh, opportunity for me. You remember I said, you know, I had no business majoring in engineering, uh, but it wasn't that I wasn't capable of doing it. It's just that my circumstances were very difficult uh, to enable me to do it. And so that, to have that ability to train people and to build AI, that's been so rewarding of what, 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 as a CEO of Duke. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I definitely want to come back to that. Um, but in the meantime, I wanted to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Nationwide Prestige Warehousing and 3PL Services, LLC, formerly known as Exalted Innovation, uh, which is an organization founded on faith in 2020. This organization is providing safe and efficient 3PL services throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area and is currently expanding into the New Jersey, Atlanta, and Miami markets. They are known for their same-day superior expedited shipping that comes at no additional cost, and they also specialize in dry cold and monthly storage, transloading, cross-docking, and consulting in the areas of e-commerce, sourcing, and procurement. So if you're in the market for any of the storage, long-term, short-term, transloading, all that kind of good stuff in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I would definitely send you their way. That is Nationwide Prestige Warehousing and 3PL Services, LLC, and tell them that Jory sent you. And, you know, I did want to come back to being able to invest into the, the youth to actually ensure that the investment is on the education side of things. Earlier, I brought up MJ because I know that you hooped in college. A lot of young black men want to be hoopers, you know, <laughs> or go to the NFL. And I, I say, how was being a student athlete when you had a clear goal on getting the education versus making it to the league? Was that something that you knew back then? And if so, describe that. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's how I got to college in the first place. So no one was recruiting me for my brain. <laughs> so it was because I could dunk the ball. So let's just keep it real. But I, I knew that there were going to be limits of my capability. And it, it helps when when you're sitting on the bench and uh, it gives you some good perspective of how you're going to uh, steer your life. And it's not going to be in, in, a, in the NBA, uh, especially my freshman year. I was not as patient to wait until my time 
so that actually kind of worked in my favor, believe it or not, Jory. Uh, my freshman year, I didn't get much playing time. My sophomore year, I started playing and was getting a little bit more playing time, but not like I wanted. So I ended up quitting. Uh, so thanks. Thanks, uh, you know, for that situation, because I think I made the right decision uh, to go ahead and pursue and get my uh, degree in computer science engineering. Uh, oh, yes. but, but but that that discipline there, believe it or not. And I tell so I have I have three sons. They all uh, are student athlete. Uh, one of them right now is getting recruited for football. One of them is already playing uh, in college. And then another one was a swimmer. And I'll tell you, here's here's an advantage. Most student athletes don't recognize the level of discipline of getting up at 530 in the morning, working out. There's no more difficult uh, uh, problem to have to overcome is beating your body up physically. And then that's also mental. And so if you can, when you transfer that over into, you know, business, into learning, into intellect, it transfers over. And so that student athlete experience really helped me to persevere when getting my computer science engineering degree. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for sharing that. You're talking about your sons makes me think about so first off, I have about 15 nieces and nephews, a whole bunch, a whole heap. And the one that has made it through college, so she graduates in May, just me being Uncle Jory and going through and helping her with the resume, like I've always known that she's a very talented individual. But just to hear about the accolades and from that, being able to get that discipline in the morning, her being maybe, I think it was a She's still a student athlete, but now seeing how it's starting to translate into internships and how it's helping her. And that's the thing that you said at first that I wanted to really make sure that we honed in on was the discipline, the discipline of being able to get up early and beat your body up or beat your mind up and consistently do it day in, day out is going to be the thing that separates you once you get into the, the real world, you know, the, whether it's the work world or you being in the family and you having to do all these other things that come along with being part of a family, uh, leading a family. So yeah, when you, when you're mentioning everything, that's the word that really was shining to me. It's just the discipline. You got to, that discipline, you once you have that discipline in you, I just pray that you nurture it so that you can really maximize it for everything that you got coming your way in the future. And that's what I wanted to say about that. No, oh, great. Excellent point. Yeah. And that's the key, what you just said, maximizing it. Don't let it go. Don't let it drift away. You've already established it. Keep it going for the rest of your life and your youth. So good, great point, Dory. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. For sure. Thanks for bringing that up. And, um, you know, it makes me think about when it comes to some of the owner operators that you might be interacting with now, maybe even your cousin, maybe even your cousin, if you're still talking to him about trucking, uh, what would you say are some of the biggest factors preventing an average owner operator from scaling their trucking company today? Mm. Mm. Most don't know. It's all about the numbers. Yeah, that the song says it's all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's not it's not the Benjamins in terms of just money coming in. It's understanding financial, um, just finances. For me, I'm fortunate. I have a gentleman who, who was a, a CFO at TI. He's on he's on my board and helps me with my financials. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not a finance person, right? He has saved us. And in fact, a lot of his input has been products, has been features we integrated into Duke, like charts of accounts and auto, he's done all of that. And that is the most fundamental part that most owner operators don't know that you that's important because the first mistake they make and we made, I'm not going to say they, we made, and it was all about our, our money. We bought the wrong truck and the wrong equipment. That's, mm. that's money. So then now you're spending money to fix, to get the right equipment. And then that, that equipment breaks. So then you ask the question, why did you get the wrong equipment? Well, it started out because we didn't have the right paperwork. We couldn't show any profitability because we were a new company. So we had a high interest rate truck and all those kind of things. But now you're behind the eight ball on that first truck because you got a 19% interest rate, a truck that's old, that's breaking down. And that that's, that's unhidden money that you've already spent. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. <laughs> and so you're behind the ball. So now you start with insurance. So you go get insurance. Well, you're new. And so they give you this huge rate and you've started your business now with high interest rate, truck loan, high in insurance, and you haven't even begun to get the ELD and all those other things there. And so you start talking about your profit margin. You're at a point now in order for you to make money, you've got to make two dollars, three dollars per, 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 you know, per mile. Mm -hmm. So you've got to start with the numbers before you even get the business and to make sure it makes sense. There's a you know, it says count the cost. Before you even build, count the cost first before you even start. And mm -hmm. it's okay if the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, brother. I hear that. Look, even you mentioning that, those are some great points if somebody was to start a trucking business today. And I had this question for you. I mean, already lined up, but you kind of already started touching on it. But I was going to say, if you had to start it all over today, how would you approach starting that trucking company? So you just said you got to have those numbers up front. You got to line it up. And even if it says this ain't for you, you know, keep the dream, but keep it reevaluating until it makes sense. Would you say that's the case? Yeah. Well, one thing is for sure, you'll never have all the answers. Right. And even as a soft starting a software company, there are times where it it doesn't make sense to do what we did. And, and of mm -hmm. course, the same thing is going to be true in starting a trucking company. You won't know everything. I don't care if you've driven. Like I said, my cousin, he drove trucks for 15 years. But at the time we were kind of partners, it was almost like, do you know anything about trucks? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> we, we, bought, we bought the wrong fifth wheel. Like, and, I, and I'm saying he uses fifth wheels all the time, but he didn't he never knew about the fifth wheel because the company always provided that to him. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so. So to, so I, I don't want to say you need to have every, you know, you're going to make mistakes along the way. So you're not going to know every, everything, but at least start out with a really good plan, contingency, knowing that you need money, you're going to need operating uh, uh, capital. You're just going to need all of that. Uh, you will need some, you know, there's people who consultants, you know, mentors, people with uh, uh, consultations. Th those things would have helped me a little bit more if I would have used those services. They they weren't ex they didn't exist back in 2015. You know, there's people all over offering courses and stuff like that. You know, like right. you, you, you actually have a guide to the galaxy that that didn't exist. Uh, so I would definitely take advantage of some of the resources that are out there uh, to help me. Yes, sir. Again. That education piece is huge. It's, it's huge in this industry. And I think uh, it was a previous session. This is not the time to just hop into it without knowing those numbers first. No. You know, this is this is not that time 
to do that when there's all this content available and when expenses are so high to get involved with this. So this is not that time. Was there anything that you know, we hadn't had opportunity to talk about today about Duke, some of the services that you wanted to mention before we closed out? I just wanted to say that we are committed to providing the accounting and bookkeeping parts of the businesses, trucking businesses, in a way that makes it easy and simple, but powerful to measure break even. And we've gone so far now, Jory, is to offer payments to our platform. So we've actually connected with some high profile factoring companies. One of the problems we hear people talk about is, is that there's all this document management and uploading documents to portals, to TMSs. And it's, it's not a natural way in which you, you get paid. Uh, think about Zelle. If you wanted to send me money, uh, and I'll send you my Zelle uh, ID if you want to, um, <laughs> that's all you need is my ID. And then you just send it over. But think about what it takes to get paid in trucking. I've got to connect to my TMS. I've got to log into the portal. I've got to enter in all this information and stuff. But what we've eradicated that. So our AI now is it acts as a mediator that does all that work for you. And so now the only thing you're doing is really sending an email to Duke. And Duke is actually submitting all that information into the portal, um, you know, updating, you know, fraud, because this fraud is a big concern of our broker and factor partners. We're able to detect a lot of the fraud verification of that. It generates the invoice. And so now you're seeing customers with it just a matter of seconds of just emailing those documents to Duke and Duke do the work or getting paid within minutes of delivering a load. As we go into 2024, uh, we're working with some partners that says, hey, you no longer have to worry about a cutoff time. If you deliver that load at 8 p.m., you'll get paid, right? So we're offering some really uh, good services around payments. Uh, another part is, is that you mentioned earlier about uh, a load board and being able to accept a rate, uh, excuse me, accept a particular load at a given rate uh, based on our break-even analysis. Uh, we will be releasing some features with some partners who uh, are going to be providing lane data information through Duke. So imagine... Uh, you're, you know, think interested in particular lane and you know your break-even amount, what we're going to be able to do is share with you based on historical information, uh, what the rate, uh, the, the rate and even kind of what we, we anticipate is the broker margin on top of that. Uh, you know, we, we may not be making a lot of friends with a lot of people, but we, we want to provide a lot of visibility for our carriers to now understand, you know, how, they, how can they better negotiate on that lane with real data uh, and with their numbers in 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 perspective as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think those are all tools that are going to make the fleet owner's life a lot easier. And that's all that we're hoping to do with creating this content is to reach more owner operators, more fleet owners, and let them know that the resources are here to help them streamline their services and their processes and make just their entire existence a little bit more efficient, more easy. So uh, thank you so much for sharing those things. And I, once those services launch in 2024, uh, I do want to have a follow-up just so that people can understand exactly how to leverage them, like what they need to do uh, in order to leverage. Um, with people who are hearing about this now, how can they find out more about Duke? Uh, you can go to our website. Uh, duke.ai. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of resources on our website. Uh, we actually have a, a YouTube channel. Uh, and I need to work with my social media person 
so you just search for uh, Duke.ai uh, support. For some reason, there's a new person called Duke, and he, he is eclipsed us on the search on YouTube. <laughs> so, oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so we have to, you know, work on some of the, what is it, the SEO in YouTube. So that's not, I don't know how to do that. So I have to work with somebody <laughs> to do that. But, but, but search uh, Duke.ai support on YouTube. We've got some good content out there. Uh, we're on Instagram. Please follow us on Instagram. I have not been as uh, uh, active there. Uh, but I am going to be a little bit more active on Instagram, uh, providing more updates. Again, you, you you see me, but there's a team of 15 people, and I feel so bad sometimes because I don't want people, to, my team, to think that you know I am taking the credit for all the work. So there's 15 other people on my team that is responsible for uh, a lot of the content as well as the the, the, the technology, and so I want to give credit to them uh, before we wrap it up for for all the work and dedication they've done over the years. Definitely. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they they feel the love. They feel the fact that you appreciate what they're doing. But uh, to say specifically, uh, I'm sure they're going to also get a kick out of that, especially during this holiday season. You know, everybody wants to feel appreciated. So thank you for mentioning that. And, um, you know, as we close, I did want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Thai Software who is helping brokerages of all sizes streamline their processes and scale their businesses. So whether you are a brokerage specializing in full truckload or LTL, they have a solution for you and tell them that Jory sent you their way. But look, brother, again, I truly appreciate us being able to connect here to highlight Duke and the services that you guys have provided for these fleet owners and owner operators out here. If there's anything I can do to help in the future, I'm very, very grateful. And, you know, I'm happy to do. I'm, I'm very happy to do so. Thank you again for joining me. And everybody else, I would say tune in, not this coming Monday, but as we partner up with Freightway Sonar Team, Monday morning, 730 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, remember that we're always going to be giving you that lane data, the analysis, let you know where you should position your trucks to take advantage of the marketplace. So uh, again, everybody be blessed and thank you again, brother.